five, four, three, two, one. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Here we go. It's game time. Unforgettable. Welcome to Sports and More, where almost anything goes. Coming to you from the marsh just outside of Edmonton, Alberta, here's your host, Dean Millard. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Nice to be in orbit. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you are listening to this. Thank you very much for being a part of Sports & More Podcast, Episode 3. My name is Dean Millard, and I'm thrilled to have you aboard again this week. Uh, On the show today, we are going to speak with Brian Swain from Basketball Alberta, the Basketball Hour, the Basketball Show, and uh, he is also the color analyst for the Edmonton Stingers of the CEBL. We are going to dive into the NBA Finals, obviously tied at one after the uh, Raptors lost, uh, surprisingly after they had a lead and uh, the Golden State Warriors were so banged up. So we'll get into all that with Brian. We're going to talk about Game 2, look ahead to Game 3, the current state of Canadian basketball, whether it be players or the anticipation. Uh, Kawhi Leonard will chat about. We're also going to discuss the Edmonton Stingers, and a little hip-hop, because Brian is a big hip-hop fan, and we've uh, always discussed that when we were on what he would guest with me on uh, Sports Night. So that's who we'll be talking to today. It'll be a heavy basketball show with a lot more fun moved in. Uh, we'll have our uh, Myron French question of the day. It is about travel. We'll have our top three, and that is off-season moves for the Edmonton Oilers. What three off-season moves would you make? Best or worst today is uh, worst and I'm, I'm going to do a, a flipping of the coin for this because every time I was putting it on Twitter, everybody's picking the best. And you got to have some worst stories in there. So today is the worst massage ever. And uh, we'll have a John Candy characters. Uh, we're going to the movie Heavy Metal today, an animated movie that uh, John Candy was a part of. And uh, cool of the week is Rocket Man. I'm going to discuss the movie. So spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it yet, you might want to dip out for that portion of the segment, and uh, I'll unveil what's on my obscenely rich list. But our Myron French question of the day, where have you traveled that you would go back to again or already have gone back to? And by the way, Myron French was my uh, high school teacher for a law class, and he would always start out every class with question of the day. And sometimes it would last the entire class. So that's where it comes from. The Myron French question of the day. Where have you traveled that you would go back to again or already have? I've been to the Cayman Islands and I would go back in a heartbeat. Uh, We have uh, friends that live there and just a beautiful, beautiful area. Uh, So I would definitely go back to uh, the Cayman Islands. And we've actually looked into uh, doing it. It, it, Listen, it is very expensive, but we have friends there. So... Uh, you know, our, our lodging is taken care of. A lot of our meals are taken care of. Uh, you just have to get the flight there. I, I'm not sure. I don't think they have a whole lot of all-inclusives that I saw anyway. Um, we went to, for a, spent the day at the Ritz-Carlton one time because their friends were staying there. And it is very expensive, but it's cool. And especially to see some of the ships coming in all day long. So I would definitely go back 
to the Cayman Islands. One place I would love to go is Alaska. And I, I, my wife is from high level Alberta. I've been to Yellowknife. I'd love to explore Northern Canada and Alaska. So th- those are kind of on my uh, bucket list. Uh, we threw this out on Twitter. You can find me at Duck Millard on Twitter. My good friend Guy Flaming from the Pipeline Show says Helsinki, and I believe he was there for a World Junior. I would love to go watch a World Junior Championship um, out of Canada, outside of Canada. I've watched a bunch. I've, I've attended a bunch of those tournaments, but they've all been in Canada. I, I, if I could have went to one, it would have been the one in uh, North Dakota greatest world junior team all time led by uh, Sydney Crosby um, Maui hands down from Jordan uh, Seattle getting a vote and um, uh, earlier on the prospects baseball show uh, we had a young uh, youngster Jake Gary who heal, hails just outside of Seattle uh, Maui uh, from Adam Stevens on Twitter and uh, that's Adam Stevens 82 and uh, Hawaii's getting a lot of votes let me tell you that uh, George, Justin Cardinal um, Good friend, uh, good uh, fantasy uh, baseball, uh, fantasy football player, and used to uh, follow us on uh, Sports Night. Says Vegas, baby, Vegas hashtag degenerate. Thailand, Italy, Greece, and Japan, and that comes to us from uh, JT Shark, who I believe is in Thailand, uh, or, or sorry, is is uh, across the pond somewhere. Um, hello, Alaska, says Scott, and and that just reminded me that I really, really want to go there. Uh, the Philippines getting a vote. Banal Rice Terraces and Singata from uh, Trevi. And uh, this is from uh, an old friend of mine, Steve Weber, in Brandon, Manitoba. Says, dude, you had me with the hashtag alone. Kauai would be the place I would love to get back to one day. And uh, that is in Hawaii, uh, Paris, Hawaii, and more lots uh, for Hawaii. Austria for sure, old Quebec City, and northern Alberta from McNuge for Sex uh, on Twitter. So that's pretty interesting. Nashville, Mexico. I've been to Mexico a number of times, mostly in the uh, all-inclusives. Um, and I, I would go back to Mexico. It's inexpensive. Uh, I've never felt uh, in danger when I've been there in the past. But, you know, I know people have some interesting stories. Croatia getting a vote. And a good friend that just got back from Croatia went on a wine tour there and said it was just amazing. The food was just brilliant so i would like to uh get back there uh the british virgin islands getting a vote from ksk saint brew saskatchewan from brian followed closely by san diego he says listen i'm from manitoba you you would never i I shouldn't say that i did vacation in saskatchewan last year but uh it's the first time i've ever vacationed in saskatchewan i enjoyed it uh holland acid says aloha Uh, they uh, a good friend of mine uh, go to hawaii uh, quite a bit. So uh, it says, I've been to San Diego multiple times. Really cool place. Great beaches and shopping close enough to LA for the theme parks and Hollywood entertainment. San Diego, uh, that's definitely on my uh, bucket list of places to go to because I've heard that is actually uh, just a beautiful city. Um, they didn't care that much about their football team. Sorry, Connor Alley. But it, it uh, you know, the Padres, Tony Gwynn, the zoo. Um, I think, wasn't that where uh, Three's Company was based out of? Was San Diego? I thought so anyway. Uh, we might have to have to get into a, a discussion of uh, a Three's Company at some point on this podcast. We'll, we'll get our uh, resident Three's Company expert, Michelle Martinuk, to uh, come on the program and explain that, uh, you know, she's she's the one that told me, when you watch the intro of Three's Company and Jack falls off the bike, I think that was like actually Chrissy that was playing the character that uh, he was so enthralled with that he fell off the bike. We'll get Martinuk on the show too 
check that out for us. So that's our Myron French question of the day. We'll try to come up with one. We may dive into travel a little bit on this show. Maybe look at uh, getting some travel experts on the program to talk about different uh, things that are out there and what you should be looking for um, for travel destinations. So that is the Myron French question of the day. Where have you traveled that you would go back again or already have? This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. Our topic today is top three off-season moves you would make for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, there's a lot of Lucic talk out there, and I'm glad that people are actually being specific. On, on the old show that I had, it was just trade Lucic. Okay, who are you going to do that for? So here are my off-season moves. I would keep Pugliarvi. Jesse Pugliarvi I would keep, and hopefully you know, Dave Tippett can uh, maybe help him along a little bit more. So I would keep him, but I would deal for a winger. If the rumors out of Minnesota are true about Jason Zucker, I would be looking into that guy. I think that he's got speed to burn, uh, pretty decent hands. Uh, I think he could be a pretty complimentary winger. I would be willing to throw in the first-round pick for a more elite player if that was uh, possible. But I don't know if I believe those things out of Minnesota. I'd be keeping uh, Zucker. I would Number two, I would try to sign Robin Leonard. I think that Robin Leonard is an excellent, excellent goalie. Um, also, he's got a, a really, really great story as well. He's a great role model for uh, anybody out there dealing with mental illness, uh, somebody I've looked up to in that regard, and he's a free agent. Now, I don't know if he's going to want to come here, but that would be one thing I'd be uh, looking at. I don't believe Miko Koskinen is the answer, and uh, I, th- I think Robin Leonard would be, so I'd try to... Look at that. And number one, I take, I take, maybe take a run at uh, Tyler Free or Tyler Myers in free agency. Um, you would have to obviously move some money, uh, and for for a couple of those things, you'd have to move some money. And listen, that's uh, I'm I'm counting on Ken Holland to be able to move some of it. I don't know if he's going to be able to move enough to do both of these things. But Tyler Myers, right-handed defenseman, uh, skates really well. Um, the Winnipeg Jets, they've got to sign quite a few guys in this offseason. Obviously, Line, he's an RFA. Kyle Connor is an RFA. Um, I don't know if they're that worried about. Well, they're not that worried about uh, Matt Hendricks. Uh, I don't know if Kevin Hayes is going to be uh, re-signed by them. Uh, Brandon Tanev, I, I think they probably would. But on the back end, they've got Jacob Truba, Nathan Bolio, Joe Morrow, all RFAs, and Tyler Myers is among those as a UFA defenseman. So I think the uh, Jets could be. In a cash cash crunch, um, Myers made 5.5 million on his last deal. Uh, I would look at that if I was the Edmonton Oilers. So that is my top three. Uh, here's a few of them that uh, you had to say. Responding to Twitter, Brad Slater says, uh, "Sign Datsuk to a one-year deal. Contract should be heavy bonus structure." Uh, well, you know, if anybody could do that, it's probably Ken Holland. Um, I, just, I, I, I think that'd be interesting. Connor McDavid to spend a year with Pavel Datsuk. I think that could. Uh, Really, really be well, uh, bode well for McDavid and Leon Dreisettle. Trade Milan Lucic for Louis Erickson and sign Michael Furlan. Yeah, I don't mind those last two. Um, the the Lucic for Erickson, it's, it's been out there for a bit, and I would do that. You know, I, I don't know if you're going to get much less production out of uh, Louis Erickson. Now, having said that, uh, if they keep Milan Lucic and they play him in a bottom six role, I think that uh, you, you're going to have to not worry about the contract and just get some value. So I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, Mitchell Blair, 
uh, out of uh, Saskatchewan, Regina Media, says, uh, see what you can get for the eighth pick to add a top six forward, Tyler Johnson, if he was available. Uh, get a goalie and free agent, uh, Morazic, Kincaid, Niemi, and find someone who will take Lucic or Sekera off your hands. Well, that, see, that's the thing. You you just can't say we're just going to get rid of Lucic or Sekera. I don't know if there's anybody that is, other than Louis Erickson, it's the only thing that really comes to mind. Uh, Sheldologist says use the eighth pick. It's an asset that won't need to be protected in the expansion draft. Find a bargain forward in free agency that can play on the second line. Trade left shot D-man for a proven right shot D-man. Well, that, those are all great ideas, but uh, not specific enough. Um, you know, to to you have to you have to cut, you can't just snap your fingers because the other GM has to participate. Goalie signing Morazic Talbot. Yeah, I'd, I'd be fine with Talbot coming back. I don't think he would, and I'm not sure what's going to happen. Uh, Gustav Nyquist is being mentioned, and trade Russell Sekera. Uh, Paul Yarvey in the eighth for Nikolai Ehlers. This is from Lessie19 on Twitter. That's interesting. Uh, I like uh, Nikolai Ehlers. Sekera for Shattenkirk, Russell for Zach Smith, Lucic for Erickson. I'd bring Cam Talbot back, but that's probably unrealistic. I'm not sure about the other ones, but um, as much as I would like to keep Jesse Paul Yarvey, if you get Nick Ehlers out of that, I think I would be interested in that. So that is uh, top three. We'll do this every show with uh, different topics. You can participate by... Uh, getting at us on Twitter, at Duck Millard. That is at Duck Millard on Twitter. This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. Very pleased to welcome to Sports and More, the Director of Communications for Basketball Alberta. He's also on the Basketball Show, which you can hear on TSN 1260. He is the color analyst for the Edmonton Stingers with... Uh, good friend Mark Majot. Brian Swain is joining us, and Brian you used to join me regularly on uh, weeknights when we were when I was on Sports Night, and I'm really excited that you can join me on Sports and More, and we can uh, talk some hoops and uh, especially everything that uh, you've got going on. You you sound like you might be the busiest man in show business. <laughs> well, I, you you and I might be tied in that regard, but yeah, I've, I've got my hands in a few pies. But it's yeah, it's it's a great thrill to be on with you, Dean. I was very excited to hear when you were launching this show. You you and I, of course, we 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 had lots of good times uh, chatting hoops and and often what other uh, tangents we ended up going on uh, when when you had this show. So. A uh, great honor and thrill to, to be part of your, your your new podcast. All right, let's get right into game two between the Raptors and the Warriors uh, of the NBA Finals. And, you know, right up until the third quarter started, everything was coming up Toronto. And everybody was talking about at halftime about how the Warriors have never been down 2-0 in a series during this run. And I, I kind of think that must have been pumped into the locker room because they came out and blitzed the Raptors early in the third and then, never looked back, tying up the series. What do you think the difference is was uh, between the first half and the second half last night, Brian? You knew the Warriors had that in them. That's just the Warriors. When you have Clay Thompson and Steph Curry on the team, they just weren't going to stay that cold for, for, for that long. And the eruption was coming, whether it was going to happen in the second quarter, the third, the fourth. It just so happened to be, uh, it actually, I guess it's historic. It's the largest run ever coming out of the halftime break in NBA Finals history. But, I mean, the Warriors do this all the time, and, and the Raptors didn't have an answer. And I, I think it's, it was a huge letdown to the Raptors because, they, you know, they had a chance against 
uh, well, a dynastic team here in the Warriors that has proven almost unbeatable in the last few years. They had a chance. They, they, they had a big lead on them in their home court, a chance to go up 2 nothing against a shorthanded Warriors team that's dealing with all sorts of different injuries. They had the big lead. They couldn't hold on to it. And then even down the stretch, I mean, the Warriors couldn't make any shots at the end of that game. You know, they made their big run there in the third quarter, which I think we all knew was going to happen. What surprised me is that, or maybe I shouldn't say it surprised me, but was kind of what a character for the Warriors is that they went absolutely cold there at the end of the fourth quarter. And, and credit goes to the Raptors' defense for that as well. But uh, the Raptors just couldn't make a shot to save their lives. Their, their, their ball movement wasn't good. Uh, they weren't getting good looks. And when, when they did, they just couldn't knock them down. The, the three-point shooting was atrocious, to be frank about it. And, and here we are with 1-1 series. But um, I think that's what most of us probably would have expected when we were predicting how this would play out. For sure. And the first NBA championship outside of Canada will return to Canada for uh, at least one game. And you have to see what happens at Oracle Arena. But I, I agree with you. You look at all the factors surrounding last night's game in no Kevin Durant, first of all. And then Clay Thompson, uh, you know, despite having a great game, left the game with a hamstring injury. Uh, uh, Steph Curry wasn't 100%. Like, the, it, it just seemed like that was almost... I don't want to say the Raptors' best chance to win a game in this series, but when you're without that many factors as the Warriors were, it kind of is. And I'm not saying they can't win in Golden State, but you know, I just hope the Raptors aren't looking and kicking themselves about that opportunity that slipped through the grasp last night. No, you're exactly right. They should be kicking themselves. They they had they, you know, they were up 13 late in the first half, and that's another thing that gets overlooked here too. And people talking about the bigger on the Warriors had out of the out of the halftime break. Is they took that 13-point lead late in the in the uh, in the first half at the end of the second quarter and trimmed it down to five, and it's one of those situations where and I remember thinking this right at the time at halftime last night, the Raptors are going into the locker room up five, and it's one of those things where you're kind of shaking your head like, yeah, okay, great, we've got a five-point lead, but this feels like we should be up a whole lot more than this. Um, but but to your point, I mean, you can just run down the checklist here, Dean. You're, you're right. I mean, they have. Uh, they're, they're without Kevin Durant. They have Boogie Cousins, who's, who's who really never did quite get, get accustomed to the team to begin with before he got hurt. He's coming back in, in just this second game. They have uh, Kevon Looney, who who was off to a pretty good start and was giving them some really valuable minutes. He's dealing with an injury. Steph Curry's sick. Uh, Clay Thompson goes out, and the the you know the Raptors. I mean, yeah. You look at that scenario, and you're on your home court where the Raptors are so good, and they have that key home court advantage. That uh, and and another thing that I think we need to underscore here is that the, the Raptors having home court advantage in this series can't be underestimated because the the Warriors in their championship run. This is five seasons now. This will be the 20th series that they've played. In those first 19 series, they only once didn't have home advantage. So, I mean, this is something that they haven't had to necessarily deal with very often. And the Raptors being one of the best home teams in the league, they have a big lead early, you know, at home in front of their fans and couldn't cash it in. So I, I look at it, I look at it as a tremendously blown opportunity for the Raptors. Now, having said that, it's still 1-1. The Warriors are still dealing with all the injury question marks that they that they were earlier and, and we'll probably get some news probably by the time uh, 
you have this posted, we'll even know a little bit more about the status of the likes of uh, of Durant and and Clay Thompson here as it as we head into Game Three. But yeah, boy, what just a, a a golden opportunity, no pun intended, that the the, war, the Raptors blew. Brian Swain is our guest today. He's the director of communications for Basketball Alberta. Now you can hear him on the Basketball Show. And he's also a color analyst for the Edmonton Stingers of uh, the CEBL, which we will get to in a little bit uh, with Mark Mugeau providing uh, play-by-play. And Mark's the guy we're going to try to get on this show at some point as well. What did you think of Kyle Lowry's game last night? Uh, it wasn't as effective as you would hope it would be. I mean, certainly if you look at the box score, I think he had like one one rebound and two assists. And um, it wasn't... Uh, Kyle Lowry, we I think we've all come to appreciate him over this season as a guy whose impact is felt beyond what the mere stats tell you, and we've seen that throughout these playoffs, just his leadership, his toughness, whether it's taking charges. Uh, I, I've certainly come to appreciate him on, on a new level. Um, it, it just just one of those guys that, that like I say, transcends the, the box score. But no, he he didn't have a great game either last night, um, and I I don't think he wasn't as involved in the play as you wanted him to be. I think that's reflected in the the Raptors really struggled with their ball movement last night, and and that was reflected in in their their poor shooting percentage. Uh, they only had seven assists in the second half. Uh, you know all those all those times, Dean, over the years there that I've been coming on the show with you, we often talked when 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 things kind of went south for the Raptors. It was usually a stagnant offense where they weren't moving the ball, doing ISOs and and settling for those kind of shots, and and that was that was part of the game last night. I think it was because the the ball wasn't in Lowry's hands enough, and he wasn't able to, to impact and dictate the game. Um, but overall, I've been really impressed with what Lowry has provided the Raptors on the, in this playoff run, and uh, he hasn't, you know, he didn't have a really particularly strong game one either. So I'm. Uh, I'm going to look for him to, to really break out in game three. Yeah, he didn't, you know, he played 27 minutes because he, he fouled out. And you look at uh, Clay Thompson's game last night and he gets 25 points in 32 minutes and uh, they both missed time. Uh, th- this officiating gets talked about uh, in any sport, whether it's the Stanley Cup Finals, the Super Bowl, the World Series, or of course the NBA Championship. And, you know, there was a lot being made about the, well, how did you think the officials did last night? I'm really glad you brought this up, Dean, because this has become something that's kind of uh, been a real issue for me lately. Is the now granted the officials? I mean, I I don't know. I thought they they missed some calls last night. They maybe made some calls that they shouldn't, but I thought it was pretty even going both ways. Kyle Lowry was obviously not very happy, and he was very demonstrative about it. and And that's what I've seen as a really uh, what I find troubling trend has emerged in the NBA. Certainly. It's been bubbling the last few seasons, but over the latter stage of this season and in the playoffs, I think it's really become apparent is just the, the lack of respect the players have for officials and, 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 you know, and coaches too, really. I mean, Nick Nurse is as bad as anyone when, when any call that doesn't go anybody's way, like I say, like Clint Lowry was last night, they're very demonstrative about how they disagree with it. Uh, they're right up in the officials grill, letting them know about it. And there just doesn't seem to be this respect there. And, um, it's. I think it's a really toxic environment, and and, and it, it just it just bothers me. I mean, you know what? The the officials they're they're going to miss calls. They're going to make calls that they they shouldn't be making. 
but but it's like that in all sports, and it's part of the human element that, that makes the game interesting. Everyone is out there just you know to to put on to do the best they can within within their job, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, whether you're official. It's all it's all about just delivering the best game that that, that we all can, that we all enjoy. And, and I'm honestly, you know, not only do I find it kind of disturbing the the lack of respect that is is shown towards officials. I, I just, you know, it, it, it kind of makes you roll your eyes when you see, and it doesn't matter who it is, whatever team, now, I'm, using, I'm picking on Kyle Lowry here because he was the example in game two, but, you know, you can take any player in any game, pick on any player in any game this year uh, in a highlight package, and you'll see at least one or two guys that are, you know, beating the officials the whole way through, and, and I, I just don't like it. And, I don't know if it's something that, that, that you've noticed has emerged in other sports, but I, I found it most prevalent in basketball. Well, and you know, I, I think there are guys in every sport that do that, and there are there are the exceptions. And, you know, Connor McDavid, aside from telling the referee to go upstairs that one time, never chirps to the officials. And Kawhi Leonard, I think, is the exact same way. And, and you know, it's amazing we've gotten this far into the conversation without bringing up Kawhi Leonard, who is, you know, let's be honest, uh, the the Warriors are getting production from different guys. The Raptors are getting production from pretty much Kawhi Leonard, um, for the most part. Um, what 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 can you say? What are your thoughts? Um, is Kawhi Leonard everything you thought he would be when the Raptors made that uh, giant trade? Uh, more so. I during the season, I, I thought the whole load management was a, was a load of something else. You and I talked an awful lot about that too. Uh, but obviously, you know what? Here, how can we argue with it? Here they are in the NBA Finals. They, they, what, what they did worked. Now, whether, whether it's fair to fans who are paying their hard-earned money to come see players and, and they're sitting out because of load management is a whole other issue. But if it can be done within the context of the NBA rules, uh, the Raptors obviously played that card to their absolute advantage, and it's paid off here. And I've been really, I mean, you know, it's the only word I can think of to describe how Kawhi's been in these playoffs is sublime. And and you're right. I mean, he is, he is the, is as advertised. And he, he probably had as much reason as anybody to have beef with the calls were going against him last night. And he doesn't complain at all. The, the Connor McDavid comparison is very good, which is kind of ironic too, because, who, else, who in the NHL probably has more right to complain about all the no calls kidding. that don't go his way than Connor McDavid? So, and and and, and the same thing about Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, both of these guys um, is just uh, they they are the ideal star, I think. For me, now they're not maybe you know they don't have uh, they're not showy as so many other players are. But to me, I mean, these these are guys that are ideal role models. And yeah, as far as the impact Kawhi has had on on the Raptors, I mean, it's it's he, I I you know I I can't I can't even find the words to describe that he's what the game game seven against Philadelphia that shot is is immortalized. I mean, I think about great the greatest moments in Canadian sports history, and there's a few of them in my lifetime. I I, I look at the Joe Carter walk off home run. I look at Saturday nights in Atlanta with Donovan Bailey and the, the Canadian relay team. Um, I think for a lot of people, they might throw, you know, the, the 2002 Canadian Olympic gold medal or, or the or the 2010 uh, in hockey uh, gold medal with the golden goal. Um, and then I think for certainly for this generation, that moment is 
is, is right in there with, with all that. So anytime you can do something of that nature, it, it, it says an awful lot. And uh, I don't think he's going to be in Toronto at this time next year. But boy, if it's if it's a one year, just a one year thing, it's it, it, this has been one hell of a point. Yeah, that shot against uh, Philadelphia, I would, you know, what I would equate it to is the bat flip from Batista because Joe Carter that that won a World Series. If if Kawhi would do that against the the Golden State Warriors, yeah, that's up there with uh, with Joe Carter, Mario Lemieux's goal from '87. You go back to uh, all the way to '72. I, I think those moments for championships are great. I love that Kawhi Leonard shot, but I don't put it up there with those other ones like you do because it wasn't for a championship. I, I put it up there with the Batista home run, which was tremendous and brought, and you know what, in, in this day in social media, those those are bigger impacts uh, because everybody gets to see it. But it was definitely uh, uh, one of the greatest moments in Canadian um, in Canadian sport history. And, and are you pretty sure that he's one and done and he will not be long-term in Toronto? I am the most. I mean, I have no idea. And anyone who says that they really know, they right. don't, because who knows what? I mean, I mean, this guy is impossible to read. I don't think anyone, people who are closest around him, really know what he's going to do. So for us who are so far removed from the situation to even begin to guess or pretend that we have a clue, we we don't. But I, but you know, a lot of the a lot of the uh, so-called inside sources seem to be suggesting that, um, which to me just makes it all the more impressive what he has done because uh, you look anytime free agency approaches for anybody in the NBA, the, the volume just gets cranked up around them and, and the distractions become, I would almost think uh, unbearable. You, you can run down the examples of players we've seen in recent years. I mean, just this season, Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving last year or a couple years ago it was Boogie Cousins. I mean, on and on and on. And, and somehow Kawhi being Kawhi has just, kind of managed to shrug shrug it all off and, and walk through this. Um, and, and just to get back to your, your the, the, the discussion there, Dean, of a uh, real quick point on, on where this ranks among Canadian sporting moments, for me personally, I would not rank it in with those others. But I'm on, on another hand, I'm going to classify it in there with them, and I'll tell you why. Because, and I noticed this watching the reaction on social media, uh, after that shot went down to a certain generation, and I'm going to say like Canadians under 30 who, who maybe, uh, you know, aren't old enough. I mean, we've got to remember now, too, anyone who was alive for the Joe Carter home run yeah. or, or someone who's 30 years old now was, was four years old when he hit that home run. I mean, you know, you got to be at least 35 to really remember that, and now I'm dating up here. But, but so I think for a certain generation like that, under 30 demographic, I watched how they reacted to this. And I've talked to a lot of people in that age range, and the way they talk about this moment, what it means to them, it means to them what those other moments mean to us. Yeah, it's it's a good point. It was I, listen. I watched it with my father-in-law. My mother-in-law had dozed off, and uh, we woke her up uh, quite uh, rudely with our cheering when Kawhi hit that shot. So uh, you know, my my father-in-law is. Uh, quite a bit older than I am, and and he was uh, just. The, we were talking about the great moments in Canadian sports uh, compared to that shot. So, uh, let's look ahead to g- Game Three now. Brian Swain is the director of communications for Basketball Alberta. He's also on the Basketball Show and color analyst for the Edmonton Stingers in the CEBL with Mark Majot doing the play-by-play. What do you think happens? What's your best guess of what happens in uh, Games Three and maybe Games Four in Golden State? 
I think we're going to have a split. I think this thing is going seven. I think these these two teams are going to throw counter punches going the rest of the way. Um, now, a big question. I mean, it, it's so hard to say. And I'm sorry, I'm taking the easy route out here, Dean. But with until we know, you know, who's playing and what the injury status is, is of the likes of uh, well, especially Clay Thompson. At this point, it doesn't sound like Durant's going to play, but who knows? It, it, it's it's so difficult to say. Uh, I think it's going to be fascinating because if if the Warriors have to go out there with, without Clay Thompson, without Kevin Durant, I mean, you look at all the scoring options that they're suddenly without. This could be the the, the Warriors that come out trot onto the floor for Game Three could look more like like uh, the bad boys of the Detroit Pistons there because you look at guys like Draymond Green and Boogie Cousins. I mean, they can get it in there and mix it up with you physically and kind of grind this thing, grind it out and muck it up and, and really throw down. And, and, and this could be an entirely different game. This, this team that we've come to so closely associate with this free-flowing, fast-paced offense with, with, with just barrage after barrage of three-point shots, uh, the Warriors might have to go a little bit old school to, to win these games. And, and I think they have the tools uh, in their box to do it. So I'm really fascinated to see who's going to dictate the style of the play for these games. And, and certainly so much of that will base, be based on uh, on who's available to them. So uh, it, it's a cheap answer, uh, but uh, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm going to take a pass on predicting game three, but I will call a split coming out of game four, 2-2. Two, two. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. This is best or worst. Good chat so far with Brian Swain. We'll get back to that in just a second, but I want to tell you about best or worst. Uh, This is uh, simply as it sounds. I will either tell you the best story about something or the worst story about something. I was doing it on Twitter, but everybody was voting for the best, so now I'm just flipping a coin, and best came, or worst came up today, so I'm going to tell you about the worst massage ever. I'm not going to name names, um, but it was in the Edmonton area. It was in the last year that I received this uh, massage. And so I I went in, and um, uh, the, the woman was very nice. Um, she did have a, an Eastern European accent, so it was a little bit hard to understand um, but I did, I'm a very, very, uh, light pressure guy when it comes to a massage. I, uh, do, you know, basically if you just, uh, like rub me gently on my back, I'm going to probably be satisfied. So I'm light pressure. So I tried to explain light pressure and stay away from my feet. Feet are really ticklish. So the massage starts and it's like really <laughs> heavy, heavy pressure. And so, you know, you get the ask, how's the pressure? Uh, you can relax a little bit. Okay. Um, so basically this went on for the hour and a half that I was there. I know it was only an hour. I thought it was an hour and a half and I'm like, there's no way I can do an hour and a half of this, but it was an hour, 60 minute massage. Um, I would get asked about the pressure and I would say you could loosen up and then I would get asked about the pressure. Yeah, you could lighten up and it just never happened. And, um, the, 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 probably the worst part of it was, um, I, you know, specifically said, stay away from the feet and then four times had to mention you, you don't have to touch my feet, you know? Oh, and it was like, uh, um, the, the guy from Memento where he had like no short-term memory. It was like, she totally forgot every time she went, went after my feet. And like, at some point you're, you're just getting frustrated and you, you're not even enjoying the massage. Like I, I go to a massage 
so I can relax. Most of the time I fall asleep. And that's the thing. I did, I was a wide awake this the whole entire time because it was I was getting beat up. And I'm like, oh my goodness, the pressure, the pressure, the pressure. Don't touch my feet. The pressure, the pressure. Don't touch my feet. Oh, it's over? Thanks. Now I'm more stressed than I was when I came in here. So I'm I'm very much a relaxation. Uh, the 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 woman that uh, gives me a massage now does a wonderful job in St. Albert, and the pressure is nice and relaxed from uh, Urban Massage, so I highly recommend them. Uh, but this was not a uh, good massage, so this was the worst massage ever. This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. All right, on your Twitter account, at Brian Swain, you do a really good job of keeping people up to date on what Canadians are doing um, in the NBA and the WNBA uh, as well. And I don't know if the uh, the status of Canadian basketball has ever been higher. I know Steve Nash won a pair of MVP titles, but or MVP tr- uh, awards, rather, but I don't know if there's been as much depth when it comes to Canadian basketball, you would know uh, that question or the answer to that question better than I. What's your opinion on, you know, where Canadian basketball is with the uh, the amount of players that are playing in the NBA and obviously what the Raptors are doing? And does it lead down the road to a, a second NBA team back in Canada? Yeah, it's it's quite remarkable. Dean. I mean, this is actually kind of a, a pet project I've got going on the side right now. I'm, I'm writing a book on uh, the the history of Canadian basketball and the, cool. and the players in the NBA. And um, so it's something that kind of really engrossed, been engrossed within the last little bit. And uh, yeah, the, the depth is it's right now it's, it's to, to put this into context, we could have eight Canadians drafted um, this, this eight Canadians have their name called in the NBA draft here a little bit later this month. Uh, it, it, there wasn't, there wasn't eight Canadians who played in the NBA in its uh, in in its first forty years of existence. <laughs> um, That's so, wild. I mean that that is right now. Yeah, the the depth the depth is remarkable like never before. I mean, it's just the floodgates have absolutely opened. I mean, you know, it it started with when Steve Nash came in the league. Uh, the, there was just two Canadians at the time. He made it three, and it just was kind of drip, 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 drip throughout the the, the latter part of the '90s and into the 2000s, where we only picked up one or two per year. This year, there were 13, 13 Canadians uh, on on the opening night rosters in the NBA, and now you know we get eight guys drafted. Let's say we have eight guys drafted, and I think certainly four or five of them would have a great shot of being in opening night rosters. Uh, at the start of the 2019-2020 season, um, and and it's just it's just going to grow exponentially from there. I think we're you know it's it's going to get to the point where uh, who knows it it could be where every it's not uncommon to see a, you know one Canadian on every roster in the NBA. We we're, we already have the greatest number of players in the league outside of any country, obviously other than the states, and and I think that's just going to grow. Uh, and, and and the Raptors run here too. I mean, what we're seeing right now, a lot of these these players that we're seeing come into the NBA, these Canadian players come into the NBA right now are, are are they were either influenced by what Steve Nash did or or and or what Vince Carter did, which really put the Raptors on the map. Vince Carter made the Raptors cool. Vince Carter made the Raptors entertaining, exciting. Uh, it was everything about him, that aura that he had, that, that appealed to, to kids 
and that's the generation now of Canadians that are arriving in the NBA. And now you look at how widely people, young people, have embraced uh, the Raptors run here now. I mean, it's this is the day I never thought I'd see where, where the ratings are, are blowing away the Stanley Cup Finals. Their NBA Finals ratings are just blowing away the Stanley Cup Finals rating. I mean, everyone is talking about the the NBA Finals in this country at the same time the Stanley Cup Finals are going on. It's just it's just remarkable today. I never thought I would see. And to your question about uh, there, there certainly has been an awful lot of talk lately for about bringing in the second Canadian franchise. I think it's only a matter of time now. Adam Silver in recent interviews, the NBA commissioner has even said so himself. I think the question is just is just going to be where. Uh, everyone kind of points, of course, to Vancouver because that would seem to be the natural to go back there. Um, and with so many rumors about the team going to a team coming back to Seattle, was too, it would seem to be a natural fit. But don't overlook Montreal. That that's a, that that could be a tremendous market as well. They love their basketball, an underrated hotbed of talent. There, there's currently two Montreal players in the NBA. Chris Boucher with the Raptors and uh, Ken Burch with the Magic, and they've they, they've hosted Raptors preseason games there too. And I mean the the city has gone wild for it. And uh, you know they have the population base, so I I, I think it's coming. I I think we could see uh, one, maybe even more than one teams uh, NBA teams coming into the NBA. And my hope too, Dean, is that it's not just the NBA. I hope Canada has a WNBA team in its future. That, of course, would almost certainly be Toronto. And I hope we get some G, uh, more G League teams. Right right now, of course, the only one is Raptors 905. But, you know, I mean, if, if the Grizzlies come back, why couldn't Edmonton or Calgary have, have be their G League affiliate? If, if Montreal comes into the league, uh, you know, why, why couldn't Ottawa be their affiliate, for example? So, uh so there, there's. I mean, the possibilities are endless, and I think we've all had our eyes open to that here over over the last uh, last several weeks with the magic of this Raptors run. Yeah, Montreal's not even a, a destination I had even thought about. So that's uh, great that you brought that up. All right, let's get to two things before uh, we wrap up. Uh, you're the color analyst with Mark Majot for the Edmonton Stingers of the CEBL. Tell us uh, a little bit about that basketball. I've, I've yet to get out to a game, but I plan on it. Uh, for those that have yet to get out a game like myself. Uh, you know, what, do, what are your thoughts of this league, this team? And uh, it sounds like it's a pretty exciting brand of basketball. It's been so good. To, I mean, we're only three games into the schedule, or three home games, I should say, into the singer schedule. But after that first night, uh, Majol and I just looked at each other at the end of the, end of the broadcast after we signed off. And we were just, just kind of both went, wow. We, we we couldn't believe it. It, it. it far exceeded our expectations, and and when I say that, it's it's the caliber of play, it's the game presentation, it's the number of fans that were out there and, and how passionate they were. Uh, it it was. I, I I don't even know where to start, but even even just talking about the audience itself, it it is kind of that younger demographic that I think you see reflected if you look out into the crowd in Raptors games, or maybe more specifically look out into Jurassic. Park in in Raptors games because the crowd is still you know the young the, the, the kids can't necessarily afford those eight thousand dollar courtside seats or whatever they're going for the finals but but you're seeing them out there in Jurassic Park 
and 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 that's a lot of who was out for for has been coming out for the Stingers games, and they are into it. They are loud. They are passionate. They are engaged, and they know the game. And it's created this this really unique atmosphere, which 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 is only uh, empowers the I think the the environment that has been created at the Edmonton Expo Center, or uh, as as we've dubbed it, the Hive, where the, the Stingers play their home games. Um, that it's it's a unique venue that really isn't used for any other events. So the singers have been able to decorate it out in their own colors. They've been able to set it up uh, ideally for basketball and and do so not knowing that they won't have to worry about transferring over to another event the next night and then switching back. So everything has been designed to really really facilitate and and lend itself towards providing the best platform possible for for the basketball game. And then the caliber of itself, of play itself, I think, is another thing that has exceeded our expectations. And particularly so given the fact that um, teams are only allowed to dress 10 players per game and seven of them must be Canadians. So when, when people heard that, I think the initial reaction was, uh, you know, okay, great. It, it's, it's great that we're giving our Canadian guys a chance to play, but how good is it going to be when 70% of the roster are Canadians? Well, as it turned out, it, it, it's tremendous play. The import players that they have brought in are very high-level guys. We're talking guys that are G League, that, that, that just, just came out of the G League this last season and are now spending their summer uh, perfecting their craft in the CEDL. And what's really been encouraging is to see guys like Jordan Baker, U of A grad, how I think he's been one of the top five or ten players in the league to this point. And to see him compete against these guys that, like I say, are coming out of the G League and not only hold the zone, but in many examples, fire out, play them. It's a real eye-opener to show how good the talent is that we have in our backyard. So, sorry, long rambling answer there, Dean, but as you can see, I'm, I'm really excited about it, and, and, and we, we've just been, been blown away. And uh, Stingers have seven more home games yet this season, so I, I would really encourage everyone, to, if, if you get a chance, to come out. Um, and, and I think when you do come out, you'll, you'll be back again after that. I'll be out to a game pretty soon. All right, let's wrap with, and, and no pun intended, with some hip-hop here. And uh, you and I briefly would talk about this near the end of our interviews on my old radio show, but uh, we ha- Hernan is not here to wrap me up, uh, so we can we can extend this interview to talk some hip-hop. And my first, I, I want to go back to your first, uh, you know, memory of hip-hop. For me, it was Cool Mode D, and, I, and I've told you this before, and you I go back to like, Knowledge is King, and I love Funky Funky Wisdom, uh, but Knowledge is King is my favorite, probably Cool Modi album. So I, that's how I got into it. And then, obviously, at that time, I was getting older, and the Beastie Boys and LL Cool J and Ice T and Ice Cube and uh, and um, uh, thing, all different kinds. But what was your seed? What planted the seed for you when it came to hip hop? Boy, that's a good question. I think you know, for starters, I think it's so cool that it's, is it Cool Modi is the guy you can you can cite as 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 who opened your eye to hip hop because I mean he is he is so well respected uh, and and really a, a, a venerated figure with, within the you know the, the pantheons of of, of hip hop music. Um, whereas for myself, like I gotta be honest, what did where did what were the first rap songs I heard? It was probably I can tell you the first rap tape i had was mc hammer please hammer don't hurt him nice so i mean i don't have quite the street cred that you have when you can go back to cool mode but it was it was kind of stuff i mean you know we back back in the day when we were getting into this stuff i mean the the late 80s the early 90s whenever it would have been there there was so little 
avenues we had to access this music compared to what there is today, right? I mean, the Rhapsody would be on for like half an hour once a week on Much Music, if you had Much Music, which right. I didn't even have at first. I only watched it at my friend's house. And then like uh, whatever the local top 40 radio station, they might have two or three hip-hop songs in rotation. So, I mean, the earliest stuff I remember is, is the stuff that really kind of broke through to the mainstream um, that got my attention, whether it would be, uh, say, like, Push It by Salt and Pepper, Joy and Pain by Rob Bates and DJ Z Rock. And of course, like I say, MC Hammer was the first cassette I had. And then from there, you know, got much music, started, was able to watch, uh, was able to watch Rap City. And then my friends started getting tapes of whether it was Public Enemy or, or, or Beastie Boys or Ice Cube, et cetera, in school. Uh, and, and we trade stuff back and forth and listen to it. And, and, and it just rolled from there. But yeah. Whereas you can kind of like, like I say, you have, oh, and of course, LL Cool J, can't forget LL Cool J, but yeah, you, you, you see, you have street cred there, Dean. You can say, yeah, cool, well, D, I kind of got to like be like, yeah, MC Hammer, but that's all right. You know what? It's it's a classic in its own right. And and Young MC, too. There's another one that I got to throw right. out there. All, all these guys from back in that, that day, yeah. Do you remember Rap Tracks, right? particularly Rap Tracks 2, where Bust a Move from Young MC was on? I, I wore that tape out. Would you believe that uh, – you and I talked about this, too. I, I, hit up, I love hitting up the local UCD stores around the city. I found Rap Tracks and Rap Tracks 2 wow. in CDs, on, and, and so I now have them. That's awesome. On, 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 in, in CD. So, yeah, I, I had, I can't remember which one. I did have the tapes, too. But, yeah, they, they were they were worn out. Uh, which is so funny, too. Like, I, I don't even know if, if if kids, kids, as we say these days, would even know what we're talking about, right? When, you're, when your tape would come unspooled or it would just kind of be like, yeah. You know, you, you drop like $18 for one of those things. And six months later, if you listen to it too much, it, it, it wouldn't play anymore. So... Uh, but yes, I, I have as part of my uh, ongoing mission to acquire all these classic CDs. Uh, I have I now am proud owner of both Rap Tracks and Rap Tracks too. That's beautiful. I'm going to as soon as we wrap this up, I'm going to go search Apple Music for Rap Tracks and Rap Tracks too, or or I'll just find out what songs are on make up. I'll make my own Rap Tracks too playlist. Brian, uh, thank you so much for joining me today on sports and more uh, i hope we can do it again and come out to, you can come out to the studio at some point maybe bring majo and paul sir and we'll all have a a good basketball round table but uh, have fun enjoy the rest of the nba finals do you think the raptors can uh, win it all i got warriors in seven i, I hope i'm wrong but uh going warriors in seven but yeah th- thanks so much for having me Dean. A great great thrill like i say to be part of your show and you're doing a wonderful job so far and anytime i, I look forward to uh, coming out to the marsh there at some point Discount sex shop. We're at the corner of Libido and Cleavage. Kidding. First of May, come down see me. Ask for Harry. I'm the guy with a snake on his face. I love you. From SCTV to the big screen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> John Candy was a comedic legend. Buck melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. Oh, oh, that feels good. Oh, God, I'm telling you, my dogs are barking today. We now celebrate another great John Candy character. I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. The wonderful John Candy, and of course the wonderful uh, Christine Bandolo and Kevin Dabbs do the voice work for all of my
check out heavy metal. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. What's hot right now? Hansel. So hot right now. Hansel. Let's explore in cool of the week. Very well. Where do I begin? So Friday, the movie Rocket Man came out. fan or not it's a pretty awesome story this is the sports and more podcast with dean millard and finally we will wrap with uh, the obscenely rich list and this is just things that i would do if i was obscenely rich and I'm, I'm a big music fan so i would i would hit as many major or minor music festivals as i could for an entire year uh, I would just be like, okay, this year is about music festivals. So let's plan the entire year around flying first class or, you know, traveling to these music festivals all over the world. I would do a world music tour if I was obscenely rich. Now, start in North America. One of the places I want to go to is Red Rocks in uh, Colorado. I really want to go check out just outside of Denver a concert there. But I would go on a, a world tour of as many different music festivals and throw in the odd just single show here and there uh, if I was obscenely rich. And that's it. Another episode in the bag. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, Sports and More. If you missed the first two episodes with Kelly McCrimmon, the GM of the Vegas Golden Knights, or Rob Shrimp, former Oiler, or Olivia Chang, star of the TV show Warrior, you can check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this and uh, get them in your uh, podcast inbox and uh, go and check out the first two episodes. Thanks so much to uh, Brian this week's show. We'll see what we can dig up next week. Go Raptors. Thanks very much for joining us, everybody. Playtime is over.